Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this week are incredibly filled with grace. Grace, gratia, it means free gift. That's what God is. I've said to you many times before, that one of the great spiritual truths is that God does not need us. It's true. God is God, utterly perfect. Creation itself adds nothing to what God already has. Our moral excellence doesn't add to God. Our moral turpitude doesn't take away from God. And see, this is incomparably good news. For it means that God can fully love us lavish us with a totally unself-interested grace. You know, even our best acts, even our most selfless acts, still usually have a little touch of self-regard in them. Because we're needy. But God needs nothing. Therefore, he can be utterly graceful. The bottom line is this. God wants us to be alive. He wants to share his life with us, period. God wants all people to be saved. And therefore, he can say through the prophet Isaiah, and this is our first reading, listen. All you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come. Receive grain and eat. Come without paying and without cost. It's very interesting now to reflect on this. See, we become locked so readily in economic and calculating relationships with each other. What do I mean? Well, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do me a favor, and I'll return it. We make a contract. We both try to live up to it. Or turn it around. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. You insult me, well, I'll hold a grudge. You renege on your contract, I'll take you to court. Eye for an eye, a tit for a tat, violence answering violence. Because we live in this way in regard to each other, economic, calculating, this for that, we very easily transfer this dynamic over to our relationship with God. And that's where the wheels fall off. That's precisely where everything goes off kilter. Because again, God needs nothing. There's nothing that God gains from us. As I said, even our moral goodness doesn't add to his greatness. Even our moral turpitude doesn't detract from his goodness. God exists to give gifts. That's the way he is. He is grace or In the language of St. John, he is love. 
You know, this tension I've been talking about is on full display in Jesus' greatest parable, that of the prodigal son. The problem with the two sons, those two brothers, is they can't believe that their father really wants to give them everything. They compel him in different ways to play the game of tit for tat. But he won't do it. In point of fact, their insistence on moving outside of the ambit of grace leads to their own deep suffering. That, I think, is the essential lesson of that story. When the brothers, in their spiritual ignorance, if you want, try to live outside of this ambit of grace, that, that's when they suffer. The Father keeps telling them in different ways, everything I have is yours. Stop playing economic games with me. Stop playing games of calculation, who's owed, etc., etc. The Father exists to give gifts. Of course, we're all meant to see ourselves in that story. What always comes first, though, in the spiritual life is grace. Free gift of God's love. When games of calculation, earning, deserving, fulfilling of the law come first, the program is skewed. Now, listen in our second reading how St. Paul expresses this great spiritual truth. For I am convinced, he says, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God. Now, can I invite you, Christians, to meditate upon that passage? It's from the 8th chapter of Paul to the Romans. For my money, it's one of the most powerful statements of faith in the New Testament. Paul Tillich, the Protestant theologian, said that when he was lying in a trench during World War I with the mortars and shells falling all around him, he found incomparable comfort in those lines. Listen again. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, these absolute values, neither angels nor principalities, these cosmic powers, nor present things nor future things, what exists now, what might come in the future. Neither powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God. What could be a greater statement of the fact that God simply is grace? And nothing in this world can separate us from that grace. Look, Compare this to our ordinary relationships, the ones that we tend to negotiate in a contractual way. Well, all sorts of things can separate us from the love of the other person. Our failure, his failure, our incompetence and stupidity, our arrogance, his arrogance, unforeseen developments, our death, his death. You see what I'm saying? You make a contract with somebody, all these things can get in the way of it. You enter into a calculating contractual relationship with somebody, all these things can interrupt it. But not so with God. When we stand in a relationship of grace, I mean real grace, nothing can separate us from it. 
How about our own sin? Well, listen, God's love is greater than our sin. That's the whole point of the gospel. Our moral failure. God's love is greater than our moral failure. Our rebellion. God's love is greater than our rebellion. See, the gospel's point is that, in principle, none of this can separate us from God's love because God can overcome it. Can we, at the limit, turn away even from this grace? Yeah, that's called mortal sin. Oh, it's because God is cruel and capricious. No, no, no. No, no. God is grace straight through. We, in our freedom, can say, even to that grace, no. But from God's side, nothing can separate us. How does Paul know this, by the way? The clue comes in that little tag at the end. Listen. The love of God that comes to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul knows, even more fully than Isaiah did, that nothing can separate us from God's love. Why? Because Paul knows that we killed God. And God returned in forgiving love. What does the cross mean? Much more than the death of an inspiring social activist. Much more than the tragic death of a religious figure. The cross of Jesus is the world in its sin putting to death God's offer of grace. Let me say that again. The cross is the world in its sin putting to death God's offer of grace. But God's grace did not stay in the grave. But Jesus on the third day rose from the dead, manifesting thereby what? That God's love is more powerful, yes, even than the greatest sin, which is putting to death the grace of God. That's how Paul knows that nothing can finally separate us from this love. Now, you might be wondering, okay, I've been following you, I've been listening to you, but doesn't all this conduce to a kind of quietude, a passivity, a sort of anything-goes attitude? Heck, do whatever you want. God loves you. Well, no. Listen now to the gospel, that great story of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. When the disciples come to the Lord and say, well, Lord, we have all these people, we can't possibly feed them, send them away. Jesus says, give them some food yourselves. Listen, when you live in relation to God's grace, that means God's gift of self, you become conformed to it. You become a conduit of it. You give what you've received. And here's the greatest trick. You will find it multiplied beyond your imagining. You've received gratia, grace, the free gift of God's life. Now, now, you become yourself grace. And the more you give that life away, the more you will receive And the more you give that away, the more you will receive. And before you know it, you will find, yes, even in your simple acts of love, food for the feeding of the world. Read the lives of any of the saints. That's what you find over and over again, this same idea. 
People conform to God's grace don't become passive, quiet, oh, anything goes. No, 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 no. The more you accept that grace, the more you want to give it. And then the more it will multiply in you. Give away the grace that's given, and you'll find your own life enhanced. And friends, that, in a nutshell, is what the moral life is all about. This is such a key thing. Listen now, we're on a hinge, I think, in the spiritual life. If we play the moral life as a means of gaining the divine love, we're lost from the get-go. It just doesn't work that way. I know in our fallen relationships it works that way. I'll do nice things to you that you might do nice things to me. I know it works that way, but it doesn't work that way with God. And if we think it does, we're lost from the get-go. Rather, the moral life is a joyful response to grace. When the divine life comes into you and you become conformed unto it, you want to give and give and give. Yes, even unto the feeding of the world. Earning God's love? Give it up. You can't earn God's love. It doesn't work that way. Rather, receiving God's love, you now want to give it. Feeding the world, yeah, it'll happen. And, and, you will become more alive. That's the teaching of the Catholic Church. That's the idea behind the moral life. We're not here to wag our fingers at the world. We're not here to to compel you to deserve the divine love. You can't. Rather, we're giving you the spiritual law that will make you alive, more conformed unto God. It's all about grace. Thank God. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.